Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Niger's military junta says it will prosecute ousted President Mohamed Bazoum for high treason and undermining the security of the country. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has been charged with conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election result in the state of Georgia, and the number of people killed in the catastrophic wildfires in Hawaii has risen to 99 as rescuers continue to dig through the rubble in Maui. Starting in Africa. The military junta in Niger says it will prosecute the ousted president for high treason and undermining the security of the country. A governing body established after the coup announced a plan to prosecute Mohamed Bazoum despite international pressure to return him to power. The Economic Community of West African States ECOWAS has condemned the threat to prosecute Bazoum, calling the move a provocation. The regional group also says it contradicts the military's suggested willingness to resolve the crisis peacefully after a meeting with a delegation of Nigerian religious leaders. We get more from Gary Amadou, who is in Niamey. Maybe the trial that、uh, the junta is about、uh, to, to decide against Mohamed Bazoum is、uh, has a link with this. Uh, I mean, uh, reason given the first day of the coup. So I think that uh, maybe uh, they want to say that.、Uh, Uh, the president Mohamed Bazoum has a link with terrorists or something like that,、uh, in order to judge him and、uh, to put him in prison. You know, we have two two situations that are very different.、Uh, the capital Niamey is a stronghold of political opposition. So the main support that the junta have、um, is located in the capital. Niger have nine regions, so the eight other regions we cannot say that the situation is the same. They have some supporters, but it is not the same as in the capital. So. Uh, uh, we have people who,、uh, who, who wants,、uh, I mean, the junta to continue, and we have in another part people who wants,、uh, I mean, the president Bazoum to be back and uh, uh, to continue ruling the, the country till、uh, 2026, the date that is troubled for、uh, the new election, the presidential election. So we have the two situations, and uh, uh, so those who are in the capital agree with the fact that、uh, one day. Uh, the, maybe the pre- the president Bazoum will be judged.、Uh, so, and in the other part, those who support President Bazoum, they do not agree with the, this.、Uh, I mean,、uh, this statement by,、uh, by by the junta saying that uh, uh, they will try. They, they will. They, it will have. It, it will. It will. It will have a kind of trial against uh, uh, the president Bazoum,、uh, so that he, let's say, he threatens the country. That was Gary Amadou in Niger's capital. Moving on to North America, former U.S. President Donald Trump has been charged with conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election result in the state of Georgia. Trump has been indicted along with 18 other people on 41 counts, making it a fourth indictment against the former president this year. Eric Tucker of the Associated Press has more. This has been an unprecedented year of legal reckonings for former President Donald Trump. He's facing indictments in multiple different jurisdictions that will require him to stand trial, even as he campaigns for the White House in 2024. It's going to be a very frenetic、um, schedule in the months ahead,、uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty about how how he will juggle the responsibilities of being a presidential candidate with the requirements of being present as a criminal defendant. That was Eric Tucker of the Associated Press reporting. 
Still in the U.S., the number of people killed in the catastrophic wildfires in Hawaii is now close to 100 as rescuers continue to dig through the rubble in Maui. The Hawaiian governor has warned that the number of casualties from the inferno could rise dramatically in the coming days. Meantime, distraught residents have started returning to the devastated town of Lahaina to assess what remains of their homes. Nisa Soldat Perez spoke to some of the survivors. I'd say it's going to take years to rebuild and to come back. Bela Taufa was born and raised in the historic town of Lahaina, the former empire of the Hawaiian kingdom, a kingdom reduced to ruins and tales of horror. Just seeing dead bodies on the oh, dead bodies on the rocks on the beach, bodies on the in the car. There was a kid underneath the, a car on Front Street. Looked like his. Dad was trying to protect him, but they just was burnt. Pets, cats, dogs, just all burnt right in the middle of the road. And then before the fire even got to this side, there were people running towards our house. Like their hair looked like it just got burnt. Their faces all black. The wildfires of Lahaina left a plume of death. The Lahaina blaze became the deadliest in modern American history. Dozens died, and so many others are missing. Pila lost part of his family. I got an auntie and an uncle, a family of four, their daughter and their grandson, seven years old. They were caught in the fire down there. They were trying to get away, but a telephone—they were in the car. I guess the telephone just fell in their car, and they couldn't. They just stuck inside. They got burned. He survived. Yeah. I like so many others wonder why there were no fire alerts or warnings from authorities. Officials have restricted access to Lahaina, while rescue teams continue to search for fire victims. We were finally able to enter the town of Lahaina, where we're witnessing its utter devastation. And residents keep saying that it will take years before they can fully rebuild. It's our home. We've lived here 30 years. Our kids were born here. We just don't know the next steps. It was this family's first time back after running away from the flames in their cars. It's like a bomb went off. It's it's the end of every of all of it. It's gone. It's it's gone. It's so weird. It's hard to think as for the future. We're just camping it out of here, like just waiting for them to give us the okay to go back in and help clean up. You know, just do whatever we can. After losing almost everything, they dream of a rebirth. From the ashes. That was Nezasodat Perez reporting from Hawaii. Turning to Asia, the slow-moving typhoon Lan has made landfall in western Japan, prompting authorities to issue flood and landslide warnings. Nearly 900 flights were cancelled, and thousands of homes were left without power on Tuesday as the typhoon brought strong winds and heavy rains. Chris Gilbert reports. Forecasters had warned of a whole month's worth of rain in 24 hours, but in fact, some places saw rain far more than that, about three times as much、uh, as a month's worth of rain. And in fact, some places saw 500 millimeters fall in just six hours, so heavy deluges. And on top of that, the storm is moving slowly,、uh, so increasing the volumes for concentrated areas, really increasing the risk of landslides and flooding. And in fact, we're seeing that already in Kyoto,、uh, where in the middle of the night,、uh, pedestrian bridges. Were washed away by rivers.、Uh, some uh, bridges uh, became uh, makeshift dams. The driftwood hit them, flooding riverbanks into people's homes. And just in the last hour or so, Shizuoka, which is actually much closer to Tokyo,、uh, just reported a, a small tornado forming 
um, around the city and they are not seeing severe typhoon effects but the effects are being seen as far as Shizuoka and Tokyo. At the moment about 80,000 households or more have power cut in central Japan and there have been about six injuries. The storm is moving slowly towards the Sea of Japan but the effects are going to be felt for a long time yet. That was Chris Gilbert reporting. On to Europe. Austria and Switzerland have expressed their intention to join Europe's air defense initiative known as SkyShield. Critics say the move brings the two traditionally neutral countries too close to NATO. Johannes Plaschberger has more from Austria. Aiming a 45mm gun at an airborne target. Air defense exercises have increased in Austria since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. Senior military figures say the country is in desperate need of weapons. We only have the capability to have short-range air defense and what we are missing is the medium and long-range air defense. And what we are hoping now is with SkyShield that we can close this gap within Austria. Through SkyShield, member countries want to coordinate the collective purchase of air defense systems and most importantly share radar information of the location and direction of hostile missiles. Switzerland and Austria, however, plan to join a light version of the program where the decision on the military response remains in Bern and Vienna. Despite the limited membership, many Austrians fear SkyShield will compromise the country's long-held neutrality. Opinion polls show around half the population approves of the scheme. I think it's always good to work together and not to think as alone. For Austria, it's maybe better to have a defense, so it's quite okay. But if you are neutral and offensive, it's quite uh, questionable. I think that everyone should just sort their, sort themselves out and not look for other people to drag into their stuff. We shouldn't be thinking about uh, arms and like, you know, gearing up. Austria's far-right Freedom Party is calling for a referendum to stop the country joining the defense initiative. But the commander of Austria's Air Force says if neutral Switzerland can sign up to SkyShield, then so can Austria. We are not joining an alliance. This is an initiative launched by Germany, a nation-state which has invited us to participate in this air defense procurement process. Apart from Austria and Switzerland, all other 17 participating countries are NATO members or applicants. A number of experts in Austria say joining SkyShield will not compromise neutrality. The Russian Academy of Sciences in Moscow disagrees, claiming that by joining the scheme, Vienna and Bern will be compelled to follow the West's common defense policy or face possible U.S. and EU sanctions. Austria's government says it will invite military personnel to share all necessary information with opposition leaders in an attempt to convince the wider political spectrum and the wider public. That was Johannes Plaschberger reporting. Finally, in South America... Argentina has devalued its currency following the presidential primaries that saw far-right candidate Javier Malay win the most votes. Some analysts say the election outcome could add to the Latin American country's economic and political instability. Joe Richards has more from Buenos Aires. A historic political shift in Argentina. Far-right libertarian Javier Milei took around 30% of the vote in Sunday's presidential primaries. This turns October's election into a tight three-way race. 
Not only have we won individually, but we were also the most voted party because we are the true opposition. We're the only ones who want a real change. He has been compared to Donald Trump and Jair Bolsonaro. Millet has captured votes on a promise to overhaul politics in Argentina with radical reform. To end the country's triple-digit inflation, he promises to dollarize the economy. He also wants to legalize handgun ownership and says climate change is a lie. I don't think that people voted him out of uh, policy proposals, perhaps with the exception of dollarization, which could be seen as an easy and quick fix to inflation, hard to put in practice in my opinion. But I think that it was much more what I would call a punk vote, a rebel vote against status quo. Rather, it's not about policy, but rebel, rebellion about, uh, against status quo. At the headquarters for the Conservative Alliance Together for Change, activists greeted candidate Patricia Burrich, chanting Presidente. We have the opportunity to lead a profound change for Argentina, she said. Bullrich, the former security minister in Argentina, had hoped for a stronger showing in these primaries, but her coalition still finished in second place. The government candidate, economy minister Sergio Massa, also formed a coalition that finished third overall. Yet the political and economic outlook in Latin America's third largest economy has been transformed by Millet's success. The results of the presidential primaries have had an immediate impact on Argentina's economy. On Monday morning, the central bank announced a devaluation of the peso of around 20%. That devaluation is now expected to accelerate the country's 116% inflation rate, with Sunday's primary results creating even greater economic and political uncertainty in the run-up to the October the 22nd election. That was Joe Richards in Argentina. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. Niger's military junta says it will prosecute ousted President Mohamed Bazoum for high treason and undermining the security of the country. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has been charged with conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election result in the state of Georgia. And the number of people killed in the catastrophic wildfires in Hawaii has risen to 99 as rescuers continue to dig through the rubble in Maui. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.